Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you this morning about anxiety. Merry Christmas. I know what you're thinking. Hold on, John. You just said she lit the candle of peace. I am an ardent follower of the Advent candle, the Advent series, so I know you're supposed to be talking about peace this morning, and, and we're going to. But it's interesting, as I was praying for you and praying for me and preparing this week, I kept coming back to this idea that Jesus wanted to do something significant during our time here. I want to ask you to close your eyes for just a minute. What produces anxiety in you? Closing your eyes in a large group of people you don't know? Maybe. What what seems to come to steal your peace or to steal your joy? What, What makes you anxious? You can... You can open your eyes. Whatever that thing is, by the time we go home at the end of the service this morning, I am convinced that the power of God is going to be brought to bear in that place that you might experience a wholeness in your heart and a wholeness in your mind that is not possible apart from the sovereign touch of God by His Holy Spirit. That's where I believe we're going. I'm I'm going to teach you a little bit this morning about peace and its relationship to anxiety and, and what the Lord invites us into because there are some things that He wants to do. And then we're going to pray together, and I believe in that moment that thing that would steal your peace may still be present, but its power over you is going to be broken. There's a bunch of shepherds. You know the story. Keeping watch over their flocks by night. They're outside the the town of Bethlehem, it's, it's dark apparently according to the song. It's a silent night and it's a holy night. They didn't know that. They're just minding their own business, watching their sheep. And suddenly an angel appears to them and makes this incredible pronouncement. Today in the city of David, a Savior is born. He's Christ the Lord. You, mean, you know the story. And then it says in Luke 2.12, As that angel finishes talking, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace toward men on whom his favor rests. They're watching their sheep. They're minding their own business. One big angel. And then suddenly a host of... The armies of God, an angelic host of warriors, suddenly shows up in the sky. That's what it means when it says um, a great company of the heavenly host. This means warriors. It means the heavenly army. And they step forward with this declaration that something incredible has happened that is going to be world-changing, that is going to bring glory to God, and it's going to bring peace to mankind. And it's going to be done because of the kindness of God. That's what it means when it says, on whom his favor rests. But I want you to keep in mind and keep in your heart for just a couple minutes this idea of angelic warriors stepping forth to speak a proclamation of peace because that imagery is going to come back in just a few minutes. 
They speak peace is coming. Peace is such a very important word to the Jewish people. The concept of shalom meant something far greater to them than simply the absence of conflict. And though Luke is writing in Greek as he tells this story, he is very much aware of the concept of shalom, the Hebrew word for peace. And we don't have a word in English that can fully encapsulate the Hebrew word shalom. And so we we take a bunch of words and we put them together. Shalom means wholeness. It can mean unity or harmony or safety or security. All of these things wrapped up in one word are what the angels are declaring has come to earth in the person of Jesus. But mostly, this has to do with the idea of human flourishing, of everything being as it ought to be. The idea of shalom, of the peace of God, takes us back to the Garden of Eden when everything was as it should be, where where there were right relationships between mankind and God, between man and woman, between man and creation. When the angels step forward and declare peace has come to earth, they are saying God has arrived in a unique and a powerful way to make people whole in mind in body, in spirit, holistically. God is prepared now to put things back the way they were supposed to be. And the timing of this declaration is really interesting. They, they speak these words of promise into one of the most troubled times in Israel's history. They're, they're an occupied nation. Rome is controlling everything. The, the Roman emperor has declared himself to be a god and demanded that his subjects worship him, which is highly problematic for the Jewish people whose rule number one is worship the Lord your God only. You shall have no other gods before him. So there's, that's a bit of a challenge. The religious leaders have made, made the pursuit of God, worshiping God, so burdensome that People don't ever feel that they can get right with God because they are always getting one of these 632 different rules wrong. And yet the angels say, in the midst of this, peace is present. After that declaration, Rome is still in control. After that declaration, the Pharisees are still making temple worship really, really hard. Because Jesus came to deal first with with the human condition, not the social condition, not the political condition, not the economic condition. Jesus came to deal with the human condition, with human condition, with man's brokenness. Because it's not until people become whole that their world can become whole. What you and I need to understand is that peace is not a byproduct. It is not produced by our environment. If you and I are postured in such a way where we're just waiting for the world to change enough so we can feel at peace, we will always be incomplete and without peace. Peace, shalom, is the outward reflection of an inner condition. It's it's something that is made possible by Christ and by Christ alone. There is no other way on earth that this peace can be accomplished which is why it was proclaimed by an angelic host. Something different than what the world has to offer is available to you in the person and through the ministry of Jesus. The disruption we see in the world around us, and we see a lot, it is not the cause of the turmoil we feel. 
You may think it is, but it is not. It is caused by the turmoil we feel. It's because people are disrupted in mind, body, and spirit that there is an internal chaos that they are working through that begins to manifest itself externally, and that's what leads to conflict and oppression and fear. What am I saying and why am I saying it this way? If you and I are going to receive the peace of God, if you and I are going to be able to live free from a a compelling, a, a disabling sense of anxiety, we have to understand that this peace that we're looking for, this peace that Jesus offered, is not environmental. We cannot find it externally. The peace that God promises begins with two people. It begins with Jesus and it begins with you and nobody else. So if I'm waiting for other people or other things to change before I can experience peace, I am going to be without peace for a very, very long time. As long as I put my hope for the future, my hope for peace on my wife or my kids or my job, I'm always going to remain internally disrupted and subject to anxiety. Peace begins within. So fast forward with me about 33 years from when the angels showed up and scared the shepherds. You guys with me? You doing okay? All right, like why are you talking about anxiety? We're going to get there. Hold on. It's John 14. It's Jesus' closing conversation with the disciples in the upper room before he goes to the cross. They're celebrating the Passover, and Jesus has just said Judas is going to betray him. Jesus has just said Peter is going to deny him three times. He said to the disciples a couple times that he's going to go to the cross and die. In other words, Jesus has said to his disciples in no uncertain terms, fellas, your world is about to fall apart. And then he says something about their hearts. Listen to his words, John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be anxious. Trust in God, he says. Trust also in me. Don't let your hearts become out of order. Disordered is what that word troubles means. Troubled means. Now, here's what's, what's really interesting. is Jesus is saying to his disciples, your world is going to look like it's falling apart, but you are going to have a measure of control about how you respond to environmental pressures. So what I want you to do is I want you to assume a posture that doesn't let your heart become troubled. We'll get to how in a minute, but what I want you to see this morning is Jesus says we have a measure of agency in the face of anxiety. He's about to be taken away, beaten, and crucified. To allow their hearts to become disordered would mean that they were posturing themselves in a way that allowed fear or uncertainty to gain the upper hand as they watch the events unfold. He says, rather than allowing your hearts be troubled, trust in me. Believe in me, in my teaching, in my promises, in my strength. So he's talking to his disciples and he says, listen, stuff's going to happen. Can I get an amen? Does stuff happen? Stuff's going to happen, guys. And it's going to want to impact you emotionally in a way that disrupts or disorders your heart. And you are going to have A measure of control is not the right way. You will be able to decide how you respond in those moments. Might have felt like a very unreasonable request. When I am feeling anxious and I read that scripture that says, don't let your hearts be troubled, to be honest, I'm like, thanks for nothing. It's too late. My heart is already troubled. Anybody? Okay. So let's figure out how we're supposed to get to this place. So he keeps talking to them. And he says, all this I've spoken while I'm still with you. 
But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, shalom, wholeness, heart and mind, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. And then he gets back to his do nots. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it get out of order. And do not be afraid. When Jesus says things like, don't be afraid, he is not saying you can't experience fear. Fear is an emotion that arises in response to our environment, and sometimes it's very, very healthy. I stand on the edge of a cliff. I'm afraid I'm going to fall over. I'm going to step back. That is a healthy fear. Jesus would not say, hey, John, be really stupid and get all ten toes over the edge. Don't be afraid. This has to do with being compelled by or driven by fear. So he says you don't have to be compelled by these things. The Holy Spirit will come to you and he will teach you. He will remind you of everything I've taught you and I'm giving you a gift. This peace that the angels said had arrived in the person of Jesus, Jesus says it will remain with you, which means peace, shalom, the peace of God is always accessible to the people of God. There is never a moment when it is outside of our ability by the Holy Spirit to access it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And he keeps going. Verse 30. Guys, I'm not going to talk to you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. It's a very important phrase. But the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Guys, circumstances are going to arise where it looks like I have lost control. It's going to look like Rome won. It's going to look like the Pharisees won. It's going to look like the high priest won. You're going to look at what's going on around you and go, oh my gosh, God took his hand off and everything is going to hell in a handbasket. That's not what's happening. He says, the prince of this world, Satan, has no hold over me. I'm simply living into my assignment from the Father. And because he has no hold over me, he can't take what's mine. What did Jesus say was his? Peace. When the world looks disrupted and disordered, when everything around looks like God has forgotten what is happening, the devil who has no hold on me also has no hold on my peace, which I am giving to you. Guys, sometimes as we're following Jesus, as we are actively engaged in trying to be obedient to the Father, it looks and it feels like something else has got control. Like, have you ever, I mean, have you ever just like thought, God, are you even here? Like, do you see the mess? And if you haven't, that's weird. I mean, I read the Psalms and I find David going, man, you split. God, why have you forsaken me? There are times when we feel as if, or it might look as if, God is not in control. And in those moments, God would say to me, when you're, John, when you're feeling pressed that way, don't let your heart get out of order. Don't let it become disrupted because lack of peace, it's not environmental. Lack of peace comes from a disordered heart from a heart that is putting the emphasis in the wrong places, that is focusing on the wrong things. 
Now, remember, I'm not talking about a feeling of being anxious. I'm talking about a compelling anxiety that makes us feel disintegrated, disordered, and unable to function as we were designed to. So let's talk about being anxious for a minute. I can read the do not let's and get really discouraged. I don't know how to do that. I, there, was a, there was a period in my life, um, about two and a half years in high school, where the anxiety I was experiencing, I was living overseas at the time, and, and I was going to a, a private school with a bunch of rich kids and feeling really insecure. I, I would get up in the morning, take my shower, go downstairs, eat breakfast, go upstairs, throw up breakfast, get on the bus, go to school. Every day. Every single day. Fine on the weekends. Monday comes around, get up, take a shower, eat breakfast, throw up breakfast, go to school. So I know what it's like to be driven by, feel compelled by, be unable to deal with the anxiety you feel. And I didn't have some of the skills that I'm going to give you now from Scripture. So there was a period of time where I was governed by that anxiety. I know what it's like. I know how hard it is. But I also know that there is hope in Christ to not be compelled by those things any longer. When, when I become anxious, and I do, like I still become anxious, right? I'm not like walking through life zoned out. Things happen, things arise in our environment that, that make us feel anxious. And in those moments where I feel, I'm, when I'm anxious, I don't feel anxious, I am anxious, I feel like I'm sitting between two possibilities. On one hand, panic. Freaking out, man! What am I going to do? And on the other side is peace. On the floor. Don't laugh at me. You would have dropped it too. I'm anxious. These are my two possibilities. I'll be honest. This is my tendency, is to lean toward panic. Why? It's easier, right? Things slide downhill. I just start, start worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying, and I find myself pulled in this direction. I want to get over there. And to get to a place of peace that Bible says I have been promised, there are some things that I have to discipline myself to do. Discipline is not a bad word. Discipline is the root of disciple. And because I want to be a disciple and I want to live in what Jesus has already provided, I have to discipline myself in moments of anxiousness, to respond a particular way. Can I show you what they are? You and me, we'll talk. Okay, the rest of you, you have to listen anyway. So Paul is writing to his friends in the city of Philippi. And this was what he says. He says, the Lord is near, and he's got to do not. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot going on in there. And it's not just do not let. Let me, let me break this down for you. Because I, I read that, and to be honest, that makes about as much sense to me sometimes as clicking my heels together three times, times and saying, I wish I wasn't anxious. I wish I wasn't anxious. I wish I wasn't anxious. But there is a... There is a progression that Paul is leading to 
that begins with a reminder that the Lord is near. Jesus told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. We have, if we are born again, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are never alone in the face of fear or anxiety or even confusion. God is present with us. So Paul says, what I am now going to talk to you about is only possible because God is near. But it is possible because God is near. So he says, here's his do not. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't have, he is saying, an unhealthy or a compelling focus on things that are negative that disrupt and disorient your heart. He is not saying you cannot feel anxious. He is saying, make a decision, John, to turn your face from panic toward peace, to decide you don't want that anxiety-driven panic to govern your thoughts and your actions. You get to choose, and I encourage you, to choose peace over panic. Don't allow yourself to be driven toward them. You know how when you, okay, maybe it's just me. My experience with anxiety is when it begins to build, it gets louder and louder and louder. And it gets to the point where I stop focusing on how I get out of it, and I'm just overwhelmed by the enormity of it. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. This is how anxiety seems to work in my life. And so Paul is saying, John, make a decision not to allow that to govern you. It's, it's almost just going, I don't want that. John, decide you don't want that, you want that. That's where it starts. Okay? I don't want that, I want that. What now? How do I get from here to here? How do I get from panic to peace? He says, instead of focusing on panic, present your request to God. Orient yourself toward peace, and talk to God, John, about whatever it is that's freaking you out. Now, my tendency, I'll be honest, I've been a Christian for a long time, I've been pastoring a long time, my tendency in matters of anxiety is not to run quickly and talk to Jesus about them. When I am feeling anxious, my tendency is to withdraw into myself or turn on Sports Center on a, like a 24-hour loop to find a way to disengage from what I'm feeling. But Paul is saying, John, you need to be aware of what you are feeling and take what you are feeling to Jesus. It's not rocket science. I don't understand why it takes me so long to get to that place sometimes. It's like, oh, yeah, talk to God. When you are feeling yourself drawn toward panic, your disciplined response is to turn to God and go, hey, I'm freaking out right now. I'm worried about my kids. I am worried about my job. I'm worried about my bank account. I am feeling anxiety beginning to take hold of my heart. He says, tell God what you need and do it this way. Now, understand God is already predisposed to offer us peace. That's what he told his disciples. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. It means no take backs. So God is already predisposed to answer this prayer. So he says, bring your request to God by prayer and petition. Now those aren't the same things said two different ways. Prayer is a request for blessing. 
I need to turn to God in the middle of my freaking out and go, God, I need, your, I need you to bless me right now. Like right now in this moment. Angel said, the favor of God rests upon me. I need to experience that. God, I need to know you are here. I need to know you are near. I need to experience your blessing. Help me out. Well, John, isn't that selfish? That seems very me-centered. God's very you-centered. He's deeply concerned with the condition of your heart and mind. And I think if that is a selfish response, Paul wouldn't have just told us to do it. So by prayer, request for blessing, and petition, which is a request for deliverance. Help! When I'm sliding here, I need to turn toward Jesus and go, Jesus, I'm, I'm feeling anxiety about... I need to experience your blessing. I need to know that you are near. I need to know that you are real. I need to know that you are for me. And God, I need you to bail me out of this mess. I need you to save me from something that right now it feels bigger than me. Anxiety often feels bigger than whatever has initiated that feeling. Like the person who's feeling anxiety could tell someone else what they're feeling anxious about and that person's like, not helpful, by the way, if that's how you encourage people in their anxiety. The fact that that word says deliver means it's bigger than my ability to engage it right now, or I wouldn't need God to deliver me. So Paul says, present your request to God, help, here's how I'm feeling, I need your blessing, and I need your deliverance, and I do it with a posture of thanksgiving. Now, when I am anxious, I'm not thankful, which I believe is why Paul is saying, offer your prayers with thanksgiving. There is something about gratitude that reorients the heart toward the greatness of God and away from whatever is challenging me. Fear and gratitude have a really hard time occupying the same space. So when Paul says, present your request with thanksgiving, he's not simply saying, God's awesome, tell him so. He's saying this is one of the things that we can do to reorient our heart, the focus of whatever stimulus is creating the anxiety, gratitude takes our focus away from that stimulus and puts it back on God. God, I am so grateful that you are here for me in this moment, that you have promised to never leave me. God, I need your help and I need your deliverance. This is what Paul encourages us to do. But then he goes on and he says, when you do that, and really, I haven't done much. I've kind of gone, thank you, God, help me deliver me. But I've been honest with God about the condition of my own soul, which isn't a surprise to him. It's just not something we often want to deal with, the condition of our own soul. But God says the peace of God brings wholeness in those places. Here's what God says he does. He says the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. One sentence, whole lot going on. Let me touch on it quickly. The peace of God. At the time in which Paul was writing, they were in a period of time known in Rome called the Pax Romana. The peace of Rome, 200 years where Rome was primarily conflict-free. They had defeated all of their enemies. It didn't mean that there were no enemies to the Roman Empire, but it meant they were powerless before the might of Rome. The emperor would stamp this on coins. They would write it into their literature. They would have heralds that are proclaiming it 
in the marketplace. Pax Romana has come. The emperor, the ruler of the world, has provided peace to you that you may now thrive economically, relationally, whatever. Pax Romana was a big deal. Paul leans into that imagery as he begins to talk not about the peace of Rome, but the peace of God. In essence, saying there is something now available to you as citizens of heaven that is even greater than that which is available to those who are citizens of Rome. And he says this peace of God, this mighty kingdom, which transcends all understanding. Transcending and understanding. It means the peace of God that has authority over your mind. The peace of God that has power over reason. The peace of God that can control, has power over where your brain begins to go as the wheels start spinning in response to the anxiety you have. It means when I can't bring my thoughts or my emotions under control, God can. That's what it means that it transcends all understanding. It doesn't mean that you just can't figure it out. It means the peace of God has authority over your mind. And the peace of God has authority over your heart, your emotions. And where they would spin out and spin away, the peace of God brings them back into order and brings them back into alignment. Scripture says we cast down every high imagination and we bring it under the authority of Christ. This is what he is saying. That the peace of God, when I do those things, comes to bear in my heart and mind in a way that reorders what my environment has disrupted and disorders. And then he says, the peace of God that has authority over your thoughts and your minds will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is once again leaning into imagery of the Roman Empire. To guard means to garrison. Garrison is both a noun and a verb. This is a Roman garrison. It's a fortified camp. To garrison that camp means to take legions of Roman soldiers and station them in that camp so should anyone come to attack that camp, they are not going to find an empty space with four walls. They are going to find an elite fighting force. Do you remember the imagery we began with? The armies of heaven stepping into the, 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 the realm where the shepherds could see them and declaring that peace had come in the person of Jesus. Paul is saying the peace of God will become a fortified camp with your heart and your mind at the center, protected and preserved. He will prevent a hostile invasion that would seek to steal your peace, disrupt your heart, disrupt your mind. God himself will protect us, will provide shalom, wholeness, both in our heart where our emotions live and in our mind where our thoughts reside. The two places that can tend to spin when we're experiencing anxiety. You still with me? Because the devil has no hold on Christ. And because Christ has secured us in himself, protect our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, he also has no hold on our peace. 
great, John. Actually, it is pretty great. There is, there is this... There is this divine partnership that Jesus invites us into. Just about everything that God does, he does in divine partnership. But that's a conversation for another day. He says, John, if you will do these things, if you will present your request to me with thanksgiving by prayer and petition, then the peace of God that can govern your heart and govern your mind will garrison, will protect like an armed camp your heart in Christ Jesus. I've got a lot more notes. I just, I don't have a lot more time. But I told you when we began that as you closed your eyes and thought of the places that want to steal your peace, your anxiety, those were places that this morning Jesus would bring freedom. I'm going to invite you to do something that I don't know that we've done since I've been here. If, if you are in a place where you need God to reorient your heart and mind away from panic and toward peace, I want to pray for you. And what I'm going to invite you to do in just a minute is to stand up wherever you are and come stand with me at the front. John, Why can't you pray for me here? I can. I absolutely 100% can. But for some of us, sometimes there is something that we do in in the natural realm with our natural body that that postures, makes a statement to the spiritual realm. I'm not going to stay stuck here anymore. I'm moving forward. I'm walking away from you. You've lost your power over me and I'm stepping into freedom. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to simply walk down. I'm going to anoint each of you with oil. Why oil? Oil is a sign and symbol in Scripture of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And it is He who leads us into freedom, out of anxiety and to a place of perfect peace. And while we do that, those of us who are still seated, I'm going to ask you to just quietly in your own heart begin to pray for those who are up front that God would bring the peace, the freedom that he promised in the scripture we just read. So if something is stirring in your heart, you feel like Jesus is inviting you to step out of an anxious pattern, or you're just hungry for peace, I just want to encourage you right now, stand up, come stand with me. We're going to pray together. still seated. If you're comfortable, would you just extend your hand toward them in a sign of blessing and affirmation and begin to pray? For those of you here standing with me, here's what I want to tell you. Jesus sees you. He's proud of you. His promises are true. He keeps his word. And things that have stolen your peace in the past have now been left behind. And as a sign and a symbol of his work in you, I'm going to anoint you with oil. He's already present and he's already working. 
but I'm asking for particular blessing and a strengthening of your peace. Lord Jesus, your word declares that you are our Prince of Peace. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You said that you don't give as the world gives, but you offer us this peace, God, that is beyond comprehension. We receive your peace. We receive the presence of your Holy Spirit, your anointing, your very great grace. of fear, of limitation, in Jesus' name. I speak wholeness now, 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 in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. grateful that you don't ask us to do things that you don't provide a way for. We're grateful that you guard our hearts and our minds. That we can be whole because your body was broken. That we can be at peace with God because you allowed yourself to be separated from us. I thank you for your love that is so far beyond our comprehension. We are so incredibly grateful. In Jesus' name. If you're still seated, would you stand? I just kind of got this thing in my heart that nobody should ever stand alone, and you guys aren't alone. There's a lot of you here. So, so very proud of you for your response. But I want to speak a blessing over all of us as we leave. This is the ironic blessing. It's how God told Aaron to bless his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you 
gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen and amen. We'll see you Saturday for Christmas Eve. Can't wait. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.